Father, we are so, so thankful to be here this morning, to be among your people, to worship your great name. We are so thankful that we are not slaves to sin. We are so thankful that we do not fear judgment. We have a hope that is indestructible and we cannot wait to be with you. But until we're with you, we are thankful that you have provided your word for us to keep us and you provided teachers to help us. So I pray for my brother Madison right now that you would help him to help us love you better. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm asking you to come up. That song said, the, the Lamb that was slain for sinners, He's making all things new. All things. He's making you and me and this wicked place new. He's redeeming it for His glory and for His praise. And I and you are both desperate for Him again today. Just as we were desperate for Him for salvation at whatever point that was in your life, maybe it hasn't happened yet, you're desperate for Him today. So let's, um, let's pray one more time and then we'll get into today. Father, you're greater than my words or our words can describe. And you know my weakness. You know the weakness of everyone in this room because you have created us, God. And though we were intended to glorify your name, we chose our own way. But we're not here to talk about what we have done. We're here to boast in the fact that Jesus has overcome for us. And we worship you. Lord, we exalt Your name, for You are worthy. We've heard it again and again this morning. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, for He is making all things new. All authority has been put under His feet. And God, I am utterly desperate for You and for the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. I am so thankful for these brothers and sisters in front of me, and I'm thankful that we are one family. Although I haven't met many of them, God, Your blood unites us. As one body, and I have felt that love this morning already, and I'm so thankful for it. And I just pray that our hearts, my heart, their hearts, would just be so humbled to know that the presence of the Lord is here, and there is freedom. God, control me. The love of Christ, control me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart glorify Your name for all eternity. We need You, and we love You. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you've heard from my brother John, my name is Andy. And uh, I'm kidding. I don't care what you call me. Uh, It is awesome, awesome to be with you. And that prayer I prayed about being felt welcomed and loved is so true. Um, My wife can feel it as well. We just feel so loved by you guys already, even though we haven't met uh, many of you ever. Uh, You can just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit here. And uh, know that He is here, because He's promised us He would be. Um, Tyler introduced me. I don't know if I'm 
what he said, but you can take what, the, what he said and do with what you want. Um, but yes, I've been on a crazy journey with Jesus um, since I was 17, and I said yes to him, fully surrendered, because I realized that he was everything. Um, and when I did, he's taken me everywhere. Uh, he's taken me to India, and my wife and our son, he's taken us to Niger, he's taken us to the depths of downtown Augusta, Georgia, into the drugs and into the um, the poverty, and to be a light for His name. And it has been the most amazing journey of my life, um, and I would never regret any of it. Uh, he has taken me every step and has been steadfast and faithful through everything. Uh, and so He He's done miraculous things, and I, I can tell you about those later. I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about my Savior. Um, but before I moved to Africa. I used to fellowship with some brothers and sisters in Christ in an assembly called Lakeside Bible Chapel. Uh, and I was in Augusta, Georgia. And I, I was there for probably six or seven years before moving to Africa. And if I could tell you one thing about these brothers and sisters, the same thing that I see here um, that I remember so well is their love for the Word of God. I mean, just an all-out love for it. They knew it. I had you know, also been in a Baptist church. I'd been in many different gatherings, denominations, but the thing I saw most in, in that assembly was that they loved the Word of God. Man, they hid it in their hearts. They studied it day in and day out. They wanted to know it. And it was beautiful. I mean, even as young kids, I remember the, the, the younger kids, you, you could just see that they knew not just a story about Jesus, not just a story in the Old Testament. They knew the details about it, um, which was so amazing and incredible. And for me, um, I don't know if you have these up here, but down in the south, we had something at our assembly called a quiz rally, um, and this happened twice a year. And what it was is we basically memorized a portion of Scripture. Uh, we've memorized Ephesians, we've memorized First John, uh, passages in Daniel. I think I added up, and after many years of doing it, I ended up learning about 800 verses. And, and we would each week, we would meet. Um, I think it was Sunday, for Sunday school we would do it, we practice, and Wednesday nights for about two, three months. And we were not only just studying the Word of God and, and seeing what it said, but we were memorizing it to the T. I mean, we knew every word. We had to be able to quote it. And then at the end of that time, we would come together, like five or six assemblies, and we would have a, a quiz rally, a, a battle, basically, to see which you know, youth knew the most. Um, and through that, I mean, I, I, knew, I, grew, I grew so much in the Word of God. And so there was many things um, that I that was a part of in this assembly that encouraged me to love the Word of God and to grow deeper in it, and I am eternally grateful for that. But as I was thinking about, you know, us and being together as a family today, and thinking about what the Lord would have for us, what He's teaching me in my own life, and walk with Him, this question came out. What happens when we faithfully study the Word of God, but yet we fail to obey it? If we know it to the T, I mean, I could tell you, I could quote you a chapter in Romans, but yet I can't obey it. What good is that? What happens when we become only hearers of the Word and not doers, as James says? We become shells with a bunch of words, but there's no action. There's nothing to back it up. And so that's where I want to go this morning, is we're going to talk about not just being hearers of this Word of God, brothers and sisters, but faithfully being doers of it, day in and day out. Not making a program to be... Uh, you know, to minister the gospel, but just doing it in our daily lives, whether that's working or whether that's getting something to eat somewhere. I mean, being the light of Christ everywhere. And so the passage that I want you to turn to and that we'll be in 
this morning is found in Luke, Luke chapter 6. And um, I am so thankful that I have and you have the Holy Spirit because we couldn't even begin to understand this word without Him. And I am desperate for Him. And I want us to, to walk away from this Sunday morning eternally changed. And so the, the text that I want you to see this morning is Luke 6, 46. And Jesus, if we uh, flip back before 46 before I read that, and in verses uh, 17 through 20, he says, it says that he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the seacoast. And so we know just by that, that this passage just says the context that he's speaking to his followers, people who were disciples that wanted to follow him. And this is what he says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? I read it again. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? You see, these people were coming to Jesus from all around the world um, and all around Israel to be healed, to see His power, to see His signs and wonders, but they were not willing to obey His voice. They came for Him for His selfish reasoning. And they called Him something with authority, something honorable. They said, Lord. Lord. They said it twice. In the Greek, I know I learned in one of my Bible classes that when someone wanted to emphasize something, they would say it twice. For me and my family, we would just yell it. If you wanted to know if we were trying to make a point across, you'd hear us screaming. But in the Greek, you know, they would emphasize it. So they're saying, Lord, Lord. Or maybe you could say, Master. Or Owner. Or Sovereign Controller of my life. That's what they're saying to Him. But at the same time, He's saying, your actions do not follow your words. You're saying one thing, but you're living totally different. They wanted Jesus for their own gain. And I think of this in another disciple's life, one that you and I know well, and his name is Peter. And I love Peter because he's a lot like me. We're very fiery, but at the same time, we make some stupid decisions. And um, in Acts chapter 10, if, you're, if you have your word with you, open it up to Acts 10. This is when Peter sees a vision. And, and Jesus gives him this vision and I'll read it for you real quickly. Acts chapter 10. Um, let me make sure I got the right text. And we'll start in verse uh, 13. And he came, and there came a voice to him after he's seen this vision Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. And you get what he says there, the audacity of that statement. When he said, by no means, me saying, no, Lord. Does that make sense? Owner of my life, controller, creator of who I am, I'm telling you no to your face. And I thought about that in my own life and in our lives. We do the same thing so often, brothers and sisters. We tell people that, we, that He's our Lord, we tell them about His amazing works and marvelous things He's done for us. But then our lives are not the same. We don't actually do what He says. So, Peter says, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that, even though I'm calling you my owner and master. And, um, and so I was thinking about that in my own life and in our lives, how often we do that. And I was thinking of a specific example just to show you the wickedness of my heart and how often I do this was on the way up here. Um, and my wife can testify to this, and the Lord is gracious and gave me forgiveness. But we were flying up here um, via American Airlines, 
I don't recommend. Um, but we were flying up here, and there was a delay in Atlanta, and the, the stewardess were just, they were not being very friendly. Um, they were just causing some problems for us and stuff. And in a moment when I had the opportunity to clearly show the light and the love of Jesus Christ and the gospel, did I say yes to him, Lord, and do it? No. I called him Lord, but then I allowed my flesh to create a frustration and an anger towards someone who I know didn't know Christ. You see, it happens to us all the time, brothers and sisters. It can happen to even guys like Peter, who can say one thing, but their lives are totally different. We miss opportunities to share His love because of our own selfish gain. And so Jesus goes on to say, uh, what happens to the one who does and does not do what He says? So read on down with me and bear with me. He says in verse 47, Everyone who comes to Me and hears My words and does them, I will show you what He is like. This is what He's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been built well built. But the one who, who hears and does not do them is like a man who has built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the streams broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. And uh, Tyler and I can both tell you that we know what happens to a house in Niger when it doesn't have a good foundation. It crumbles. Most of us lived in those houses. We would see the roofs and the walls cracking around us because there was no foundation. And so I have a, a brother in Augusta, and all I could think about was him when I read this text because I could say this brother has not only heard the Word of God, but he has faithfully obeyed it because I can see the foundation with which he stands on. His name is Mike Vi, and you probably have never met him, never known him, I don't even really know how old the man is, but I know for the last 30 years of his life, he's battled cancer. And the last four years of his life, it's been terminal cancer. And I've never met a man more open about the love of Jesus and the gospel than him. You can tell, even when he gets a bad report about his cancer, he is joyful. He is filled with love. Why? Because he did what Jesus said. He didn't just call him Lord, but he obeyed his voice. You see, the winds are going to blow, brothers and sisters. We know that because of the world we live in. But when they blow, is your foundation set on the fact that you obey the words of Christ and not just hear them so that when they blow, you're not just not moved, but you are a beacon of light. When you lose a family member to cancer or you lose someone or something tragic like a tornado rips through your town and you have the opportunity to share the gospel with someone, is that what we do? That's what he's begging for us to do. He's worthy of us to do. And so in the same sense, I also know what it's like to see a brother who does not obey the words of Christ, and he crumbles. A man named Mr. Vinny, who we are around a lot, and for many years he came out of drugs and he professed Christ and he was on fire singing and doing all these amazing things. And up in a few months ago, we've just seen him disappear back into the midst of darkness. And this is not to boast about anything he's done. I'm just making a point clear that his foundation was not just in obeying the Word of God. It was in his gain and what he could become where foundation is not on the fact that we are doers and hearers of the Word of God, we will crumble. The Gospel will not go forth. And this is not just a situation by situation. This is a moment by moment. A daily waking up and saying, Jesus, You are my daily bread. And I need You. I want to obey You. My question is, brothers and sisters, which one of you are you in this parable? 
I know it changes a lot, but I pray that we would be a family that is firm on the foundation of Christ because we daily obey His Word in every circumstance. We will give anything to see our Savior glorified. So, we're going to do three things. We're going to ask three questions in this text. And I'm not going to keep you. I just want the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart in whatever that way is. Three questions. What does Jesus want us to obey? How do we obey Him and why or for what purpose? What's the end goal? So, the first one, what does Jesus want us to obey? Clearly, if you've read the Gospels, which I know you have, you know the Word of God, you know that there is countless things that we could say, oh, He wants us to obey. We could expound upon that for hours. Oh, He wants us to do this, He wants us to do that. But the text that the Lord brought to my heart when I thought about being obedient was one um, in Matthew. And so, Matthew 22. Matthew 22 and verse 34, I'll start. And when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Some translations say with all your strength. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, my brothers, depends all the law of the prophets. Matthew 22. And so, I believe this morning, if we obey, just as Jesus said, these two commandments, we will see the fulfillment of what He meant to follow Him in the rest of these. So, what does Jesus want us to obey? He wants us to obey Him in this way. He wants us to love Him more than anything else in the world. He wants us to cherish Him more than anything in the world. So, do you love Christ? Do you love Him? Remember when he asked Peter that, do you love me? In Psalms 42, verse 1, or verse 1 through 3, I see a hunger and a love for God that I pray we would have. It's, um, it's, it's David. This is what he said. 42, verse 1 through 3. He says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. O God, my soul thirsts for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? Or another one when he says in Psalms 84, verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. David wanted to be in the presence of God daily. He wanted to know Him. He wanted to love Him. You can go on with tons of examples. Think of Paul. when he says that I may know Him, Philippians 3.10, and the power of His resurrection, that I may share in His sufferings, becoming made conformable into His death. Do you love Him? Do you love Him enough to die for Him? Not just once in your life, but daily? To give up whatever selfish gain you may be able to grasp for just a momentary or a moment in this life for the sake of eternity with Him? Do you desire Him? Examine your heart. When you wake up in the morning, is it just, for me so often, it's, i got to open this Word, i got to spend a few minutes so my day doesn't go too bad and then I'm out. Or are you willing to say, I'm going to wake up two, three, four hours early and sacrifice sleep because I know how amazing my Savior is. I know how beautiful He is. I want to dwell on this Word because His Gospel has so radically changed my life. There's no greater pleasure than to be with Him. To know, yes, yes, His Word, but to know Him, His person. Do you love Jesus? Does your soul pant for Him? Is He the only one that you long to be with? Um, one thing that I see throughout the Gospels and, and throughout Jesus, His life on earth, 
um, was that so often you would catch him or the disciples looking for him and he would be alone with his father. I mean, you go through the gospel sometime and look and he would just disappear and they'd be like, man, where'd he go again? And he was alone with his father. Every moment that he could, he'd get away to be with him because he knew, one, that he needed that time with him, the source of strength. Even though he was fully God, he was man and he needed that spiritual time with his father. But also he loved his father fully. Fully. In Luke 6, where we were just a minute ago, read this. This is what he says. Luke 6 and verse um, 12. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Let me ask you, brothers and sisters, from myself and for you, when was the last time you gave up all night because he was that amazing? And all you, you weren't asking him for anything you weren't telling him to do anything. All you were doing was thanking him for his amazing love. Jesus left us an example, brothers and sisters. And he said, if you truly love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You see, brothers and sisters, when we love Christ, those commandments will fall into place because we are willing to do whatever it takes to please his name. So, What does Jesus want us to obey? He wants us to love Him. And secondly, He wants us to love our neighbor. Love our neighbor. Do you love the lost? Do you love the outcasts in your community? The ones that Jesus would go to? You know, the Pharisees are always asking Jesus, why are you eating and drinking with sinners? And He said, I came to heal those who are sick. Are those the ones that you're meeting with? That you're saying, hey, can I help you in any way? You think of the, 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 the passage in Luke 10 with the, the Good Samaritan. He was an outcast in that community. The priest passed him by. People did not receive him. And yet that man came to him. And he loved him. The Good Samaritan loved on that man. Do you love your neighbor as Jesus loves? What are you willing to give to see your lost, brother, or your lost people saved around you? What are you willing to give? A few dollars here, a few moments of your time? Or are you willing to give and lay down your life to see them know Christ? To maybe spend 10, 20 years discipling them just for them to finally understand and the Lord open their eyes to see them know Christ. I have a brother and I'm so thankful for his life because he's taught me so much through the Word of God. And one thing that he always does is, you know, we live downtown and we work with inner city ministry and, and he doesn't always have the answers to these people's problems. A lot of them have crazy problems but one thing he does tell them, he says, I don't know, you know, the answer to this, but I'll do something for you. I will walk with you. I will walk with you through this life. The struggles that you're bearing, the addiction and the pain of drugs and whatever else you may face, I'll walk with you through it and I'll be there for you to shed tears and be there through your mistakes because I want you to know Christ. Or the pain that Paul felt when he said, I would wish I was accursed so that my brethren would know this salvation. Do you wish that upon the lost? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Do you welcome in the homeless? We all have homes here. We all have um, opportunities upon opportunities. We don't have to pray for them. They're, they're all, all around us. Are you opening up your home and saying, I'm willing to be uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me. Ask my wife. It's very uncomfortable for me to have people I don't know. But that is the, the truth of the fact is that I want people to come in so that they know Christ. I want to welcome the homeless. I want us to welcome the homeless to feed the poor and to clothe the naked for one purpose, that they might know Christ, that their soul might be saved eternally. It's for the Gospel, brothers and sisters. It's for the Gospel. 
In John, 1 John 2, 6, he says, He who says he abides in him ought to walk just as he walked. If you say that you are abiding in Christ, your job is to walk just as Jesus walked. Exactly like it. When his disciples came up to him and said, uh, you know, we need to go buy food for the 5,000, or what do you want us to do? He said, you feed them. He didn't say you go and you get someone else to do it. He said, you feed them. We had a brother earlier raising some concerns about the, the tragic things that have happened in this community, and I loved it because he said, what can we do? What can we do to minister the gospel of Jesus to these people in our local community? Not just to keep that love bound in these walls, but let it burst forth throughout our homes. That we open our doors and we will do anything to see the lost saved. We must share the gospel, brothers and sisters, with our neighbors, both in deed and in word. And how? Now, moving on to two. How are we to obey these commandments? And I believe that it is the only way to obey Christ and what He asks of us is by the power of the Holy Spirit. If Christ knew that He needed the Holy Spirit each, each day, we need that too. Jesus makes it very clear in John fifteen fifteen. Apart from Me, you can do nothing. But then He promises us something else. That the same Spirit, Romans eight eleven, that raised Him from the dead dwells in you and Me. The same exact Spirit of Christ that raised Him from the dead is in you and in me and it's empowering us to do what? To love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now let me ask you, are you surrendering to that Spirit and that power daily to let it happen in your life? We didn't have the power, brothers and sisters, to save our souls, did we? We don't have the power to walk this thing out without Him. We need Him. We are utterly helpless without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And then, not only that, but how do we obtain that power and that Holy Spirit? It's through intimacy with Christ. Intimacy with Christ. We can't ask Him for the Holy Spirit and yet not know Him. In Matthew 6, 6, He says, Go and be with your Father. Shut your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Get away from the world and seek His face. Just like I did. And I will empower you to do everything and better and even greater things than I did. We must be people that desperately and desire, desire the Holy Spirit through intimacy with Christ. It's not difficult, brothers and sisters. It's not like we're begging Him to come and to be with us. No, no. He wants us there. He wants to do amazing things through us if we'll only surrender. And finally, why? For what purpose? What purpose do we, or we must be obedient to His words so we have a firm foundation in this life? It's for two things, I believe. First, is so that the glory and the fame of Jesus Christ is spread through the nations. Secondly, it's for our good. It's for our good. It's for our joy and our satisfaction. In 1 Samuel 15.22, just read this the other day, and it just reminded me, 1 Samuel 15.22, this is what he says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt sac- offerings and sacrifices as in, the, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. He just wants us to obey. He just wants us to be obedient because He knows it's for our good and for His glory. It's for our good and for His glory. When we obey His voice, it pleases the Lord. It makes Him look good. Not us. 
Because when people come to us and say, why in the world would you come and cut nine trees in my yard? It's, say, it's because I've been loved with an everlasting love and I want you to know that love too. We obey. We help those in need. Because when we obey, we're not just calling Him Lord, but we are verifying that to be true in our lives by our actions. We're not just saying You are our Lord, but we are showing the world He really is our owner and sovereign King. And we will do anything to please His name. Finally, it is for our pleasure and joy, brothers and sisters. He is not inviting us to do something painful or hurtful, but if you or any of you in this room have ever shared the Gospel with someone or shared it in deed and in word or given up something for the sake of someone, you know that there is nothing greater than to feel the joy and the presence of the King with you. He is with you when you obey. He is with you. He does not leave you. When, it, when Moses went and, and talked, to, um, talked to Pharaoh, the Lord said, I will go with you. He empowers us so that we can experience His joy and His love. And so, those are my points. We do it for His glory. We do it for our joy. Obedience to Christ is the key to revealing His glory among the nations and is for our complete satisfaction and joy in this life. Obedience to Christ is the key to revealing His glory among the nations and is for our complete satisfaction and joy in this life. I know that's a mouthful, but that is true. When we obey Christ, it makes Him look good and we experience joy unlike ever before. And it may be Painful situations you have to go through, but you have that joy within your heart. When the waves and the winds come, like that, my brother Mike, and he has cancer, but yet he's out there daily showing the love of Jesus, he has no greater joy. He is joyful. You wouldn't even know he had cancer. So do you love him, brothers and sisters? Are you willing to obey him today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life on this earth? Are you spreading his gospel both with the lost, or with the lost both in deed and in word? Ask the Lord this. Go and be with your Father. Seek Him. Seek His face. He wants you. He loves you. He is jealous for you. I challenge you to go every morning, whenever your time is, and to set aside that time to be with your Father so that you might treasure Him for all eternity and so that you might reach the lost in this local community and to the other ends of the earth. I just have a poem that I want to read for you, and I pray that you receive this with love. It is, I really genuinely ask the Lord to give me love because I know that you love this word and I know that you're faithfully in it, but I want you to be obedient to it. I want you to do what He's called you to do and I want you to see His glory in greater depths. So listen to this, po- this poem by Katie Wilkinson. It says, May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day. Me. By His love and power controlling all I do and say, May the Word of God dwell richly in my heart from hour to hour, so that all may see I triumph only through His power. May the peace of God my Father rule my life in everything, that I may be calm to comfort the sick and the sorrowing. May the love of Jesus fill me as the waters fill the sea. Him exalting, self-abasing, this is victory. May I run the race before me strong and brave to face the foe, looking only unto Jesus as I onward go. May His beauty rest upon me as I seek the lost to win, and may they forget this channel, seeing only Him. It's not about us. It's about knowing and loving this Jesus with everything within us and being completely obedient to His Word. 
That's my prayer for you, for me. I've seen it, guys. I, I have seen the Spirit of the Lord working as I say yes to Him. But when I don't, there's no reason for me to expect His power. So I want to pray for you. I love you because I know that He loves you. Let me pray for you. Father, we are so desperate for You. So desperate. Every moment of every day, God, You have poured out Your love for us so that we might see Your glory and that we might experience Your joy and Your satisfaction for all eternity. And I pray, God, for these brothers and sisters in front of me that they would know the love of Christ. That they would be filled with Your fullness, God, day in and day out. That they would be willing to go outside of the box of saying, this is Christianity. No, no, no. What did Jesus do? That we might do exactly what He did because He was our example. And we need the Holy Spirit to do it in us. And we need it through the intimacy that comes with you from You. And we want to do it for Your glory and for Your fame. God, come and, and empower these brothers and sisters today. I'm so thankful for them. God, bless them and use them in Connecticut. I pray that what happens today, what they're hearing from you today would have such ripple effects on eternity that whenever I come back to Connecticut, if I do, I would be able to see the effects because you have taught them to obey fully. God, I'm thankful for them. God, bless these brothers and sisters. Let them know you and your love more and more. And may we be obedient because you were obedient for us. God, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed.